Rookies getting their shot. And NBA Today producer Greg Condis talking about his influence on one of the most influential shows when it comes to basketball. And I'm not talking about this podcast. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm JP Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, NMLS number 3112, equal housing lender. Walker Kessler and Ochai Abaji have had an amazing week. Walker against Memphis, six blocks, 11 rebounds, 10 points, and Ochai against Chicago, 19 points, 4-4 from 3. But not to be a basketball hipster, I thought his better game was against Houston, 11 points, 4-5 from the field. But these two rookies are getting their shot, and I'm happy that they're getting their shot because they've earned it. One thing that we've seen from Will Hardy this year is that he's not just going to give free opportunities free runs to get out there and just make mistakes. No, sometimes you need to be taken out. Sometimes if you aren't following a game plan, you're going to have to watch for a little bit. And that's the thing about Will Hardy. He doesn't just gift opportunities to rookies. They didn't start at the beginning of this year. They weren't gifted playing opportunities. They had to earn them. And they've earned them to the tune where Walker Kessler's closed games, Ochai's closed games. Key one is that Golden State miracle. Ochai's on the floor in a late situation. I'm sorry, that's a big vote of confidence from Will Hardy, even if it's not that much time left on the clock. But it's huge how much he trusts you and playing over other guys who have been in the league. They have more games than Walker and Ochai. They don't have the advantage of knowing the NBA game inside and out. But they both acquitted themselves really well. And this last week has provided good examples for both. Walker's Memphis game was a tour de force in big man affecting the game. I'm watching the opposing broadcast. And I like doing that because Memphis, one, has a good outfit, and two, it gives you a little perspective on how the jazz players are talked about around the league. And Brevin and that Memphis broadcast was bringing up how When Walker Kessler's out there, he's the rim protector. And once he went out, the plan for Memphis was attack the basket. And they did it in that second quarter, the one where they won the game. They were saying time after time, Taylor Jenkins talking in the huddle, he's telling them, attack the paint, go to the basket, get easy shots. Because they have explosive athletes and they have guys who can create separation. And that's what they did. David Roddy got an opportunity at the rim. Tyus Jones. And once Walker came back out there, it was more from the outside. It was Santi Aldama from three. It was Desmond Bain walking into a three. And the Grizzlies broadcast brought it up how much that Walker Kessler was affecting the game. They could notice. You at home could notice. If you were on the moon and using a telescope to look down, you could notice. Because that's how much he was doing it. A truly good game from Walker against Memphis on Sunday night. And he has these flashes, these points, where you just shake your head at how advanced he is as a rookie big. I didn't expect him to be a rotation player. I didn't. But he is that. The double block against Bam, New Year's Eve. He has a 7.8 block percentage. If he's playing enough minutes, that would be second in the entire league. And even more to the advanced stats. 
He's the third best on-off numbers, according to Clean the Glass. He swings it that much. I checked, and it's around like nine points when it comes to the defense. Clearly gets worse when he's not on the floor because he's the rim protector. He's the guy. He's the one that inspires fear. That's it. It's Walker, and his time's coming. They've brought him along very slowly. He's with that second unit, this Kelly Olenek injury. I don't know how long that's going to sideline him out, but I imagine Walker's going to be with that first five. He's get his shot. There's no need to rush and push him into a place where he's not going to have success. So as you look at Walker, what can he get better at? Screening? Clearly. Sometimes he gets moved off his spot when he's saying a pick. Ochai Baji had very encouraging stretches this week. 19 against Chicago, perfect 4 for 4 from 3, 11 points against Houston. And not to be a basketball hipster, but I thought the game against Houston was better than the game against Chicago. DeMar DeRozan, professional scorer, got him in the air a couple times. Jalen Green, on the other hand, didn't. Ochai corralled Jalen Green on a closeout and made him pass out to recycle the offense. It was beautiful. Really good. And I go back to when he jumped on this podcast, and he talked about how he's going to provide for an NBA team. What can he bring? And being that prototype, 3 and D, having the right mentality. Now at Kansas, it took a little bit of time for him to come out of his shell and get that chance. But as you add to your game, as you provide more than 3 and D, helps you stick around the league. Ochai's going to get a shot. And I'm sure there are going to be other DeMar DeRozans that he's going to have to defend. One's where he'll feel like a rookie. Will Hardy, I'm sure, knows about DeMar, how he's going to pump fake him. Told Ochai a bet before the game. And still, when he goes out there to perform it, bites on a pump fake. Non-rookies bite on DeMar's pump fakes. But Ochai's going through that first cycle now. And both these guys are going to have rookie moments. But it's about not making that mistake again. And how... These guys learn and progress will be what I'm watching. Jazz have played a lot of close games. 28 games in clutch situations. Last five minutes within five points. They've been wildly entertaining. They haven't been on the right end of those results as of late. I think they're 11-17 in those 28 games. Two-thirds of your games are close late. You're going to go through something if you watch a Jazz game this year. They're going to keep it close. They're going to hustle. They also might give you heart palpitations because they keep it close. Well, the way that they fight, the way that they take on Will Hardy's identity, it's encouraging, and these two rookies have been encouraging. Five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. It's called Round Ball Roundup. And my next guest is Greg Condis, NBA Today producer over at ESPN. I was floored when I saw Lowry Markkinen, who, mind you, has had pretty good time since we last potted. 49 against Houston. And if I wanted to really lean into being a basketball hipster, I'd say the Chicago game was better because he got eight dunks at the rim. But I won't say that because he scored 40 bleeping nine on 27 shots. But that performance landed him on NBA Today talking with Malika Andrews and Bear Down brother Richard Jefferson. You can check it. It's on YouTube. But they brought out at the end a jazz fan who's a producer on the show on their conference calls, and his name's Greg Condis. So I had to get in touch with him. 
ask him how he became a Jazz fan, ask him how he's feeling about this team. Please enjoy one of the most influential men on one of the most influential basketball shows on the planet. It is Greg Condis on Roundball Roundup on utahjazz.com. When it comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving and Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving and Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com. started for me probably where it started for a lot of jazz fans my age uh, with the Stockton shot against the Rockets in the 96-97 season. Uh, my family's, I'm from Southern California, but my family's all from Utah. Um, so I'd go on trips there a lot. Uh, my cousins grew up um, in Salt Lake and they were family friends with the Stocktons and the Hornacek. So coming up when that team was on the rise, it was just really easy to get involved. Um, after I kind of fell in love there, it was hard to get the games in Southern California. So did a lot of listening to Hot Rod Hunley. We could do tune right to the right station. You could get a staticky signal uh, to make out some of the games before really the game cast took off on ESPN.com. And you could follow the little X's and O's popping up, depending on who's taking a shot where. But ever since 97, I've been in. Um, luckily, a lot more up years than down, even though they haven't reached the uh, mountaintop mountaintop. But it's been a fun ride. And people ask me, like, you know, are you okay with knowing there's a built-in ceiling from this team for this team? What feels like year to year, and I think they have that ceiling, but they also have a floor. And you know, there's going to be a competitive product pretty much every every year. Were there some players, teams that you really resonated through your time as a Jazz fan? Clearly, the the finals years stand out, but some lesser known names that you may have gravitated towards. Uh, for some reason, I re- was a huge Kirk Snyder believer. I really thought like that was gonna be that was gonna be like the combo guard, you know, it was gonna help take the next step. Didn't really pan out, but it only took a few more years, right, till we got to the Darren Williams era. And then you got your Ronnie Brewers and all that, and that was, you know, fun to roll with. UNLV, right? Kirk Snyder? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was like him and Humphreys were I think the same year one after the other. I thought I thought they had something there, a little inside out, not so much. How did you follow the team while not being in salt lake or in the utah area because southern california i'm sure you're surrounded by thousands of lakers thousands of lakers fans fans. i know and they uh they could be loud um but you know following from like i said listen to on the radio um following the play-by-play online like reading everything i could in the newspaper if it was just a box score um trying to soak that all in finding gamers that i can't could and then diving in whenever there was an article in si or SI for kids at that time, you know, just trying to like digest everything I could. Oh my God. You just brought that SI for kids for me. Do you remember <laughs> those cards that they had in the middle on the insert? I think there, there's probably a few in my parents' garage that they've been asking me to get rid of that for some reason I'm holding on to or they're holding on to because I won't take it with me here. But uh, they're around somewhere. Do you think there's any value there? I have I have a Darren Williams one, one of those little <laughs> cardboard ones that they gave out in SI Kids. I remember that at magazine. That was my stuff when I was a kid. 
I'd bring it back. I agree. <laughs> I agree. What gets you excited about watching a jazz game now? Because it seems like now the NBA is so accessible. You could call up a YouTube link and you could just watch highlights of the jazz as opposed to having to go to the right part of Los Angeles to hear Hot Rod. Now that it's so accessible, what excites you about following this team, following this new version of the Jazz? Well, I think with this iteration of the team, it's not really about the final score. Um, we kind of know where this team's going to finish. I mean, they can make a play and that'd be very exciting, especially for the development. But it's all about the moments, the flashes, like Abaji's been starting to get minutes, seeing how he looks, you know, the Walker Kessler stuff. And seeing how, like, what his role looks like on defense. Is he only going to be a drop big? What kind of things can he do? Um, watching for little storylines instead of, like, more of the macro than micro, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, and just seeing, like, watching Laurie Markkinen and the different ways that I think Andy Larson had a no, he had no isolations in that 49-point game. And the different ways that he's able to score. Um, that's the stuff I'm looking at more than just reading a box score or seeing really how the game was won. Doesn't hurt when you get those moments like happened with the Warriors and the Fintechio game winner, right? That's always cool if you're watching that live. So you don't want to miss those things. Um, but with 30 teams in the league and in my role trying to cover them all, I can't lock into every jazz game like I'd want. Um, but try to catch the right moments and when there's some downtime, even if it's the second quarter of a game against the Spurs, you know, watch it all. Did you expect this from Lowry Marketing? Because I as somebody that follows the league very closely, you're covering all these 30 teams. I'm sure you saw Lowry Marketing, but you didn't see this version that shoots threes, gets to the rim, dunks, can be a number one option. Did you expect any of this from that type uh, of guy? Not at all. And I don't, it's not to his fault. I don't think he was put in yeah. so many different roles with so many different coaches um, bouncing from Chicago to Cleveland. Um, but it seems like Will Hardy's just making the game simple for him and letting him just read and react. Um, nothing really seems like it's forced through him. They're not just throwing him the ball and, say, all right, Laurie, go get us a bucket. It's all in the flow of the offense, and it seems natural. Um, everyone points to the Eurobasket and how that really helped catapult him up. And I think that was a that was a huge catalyst to all this. But even watching then, so I paid a little bit more attention and caught my eye a little bit, as it did a lot of other people. And then the, how he's able to use that as a launching pad to what he's doing this year. I mean, I think he's an all-star. I'm sure you think the same. Um, it's been great to watch, and uh, I think he's going to be a foundational piece moving forward. Uh, on today's show, even Matt Barnes was saying he'd be a great, you know, trade piece for another team looking to get better. Back of my head, I was like, why would why would the Jazz look to move on from him? Exactly. He look he looks like somebody who could be on the next version of the really good Jazz teams that Danny Ainge is constructing. How does that interview with Lowry come together on NBA Today's side? Um, with the Game being in Utah, um, a lot of teams make pushes for, you know, the faces of their franchise, the all-star push. Um, I think there were some emails sent back and forth. And when that came across, we've been kicking it around for a week. Um, I was kind of pushing hard for it. And then he scored 49 in the window we were looking. I said, today's as good a day as ever uh, to have him on. Uh, Malika said, if, you know, if he's coming on, you got to go ask him a question. So uh, got that poster that the team sent to us in L.A., Figured that was a great question to use. I had that Malone poster that it kind of replicates uh, on my wall as a kid. So that was kind of cool to ask him. And he was great to have on. Um, hopefully we'll have him on again, you know, when he gets named or something like that. For the How team. hard are you pushing for those jazz topics? Pretty hard. Like, I, I have a lot of say what makes it. Um, we got to cover all 30 teams. And, you know, we're on 
at three Eastern. So some of the games have been over for 20 hours. So you're not discussing something just to give a result because so many people know it's to have a discussion further, tell the why, not the what of what happened. Um, so with some of these jazz games, you know, it might be a quick 15 second reader. Uh, but if there's some meat where we could break down something like that Fontecchio play, like I referenced, or their hot start when they were number one in the West, I was like, this is a perfect time to dive in. Now is, you know, the league's getting a little more separation and there's so much star power where it seems like someone's scoring 45 every night that we've got to make sure we allocate time to them, making sure we don't forget about the little guys, not to say the jazz are little guys, but you know, give everybody some love. So I'm pushing. Good. That's what they need on these big shows because you see, you watch them and you're thinking, is it just Lakers fans or Nets fans who are producing all these shows? No, there's some jazz fans who are pushing there, for some topics. There are. I mean, sometimes you got to play the hits, right? Everybody wants to know what's yeah. going on with LeBron, when he's going to break that record. Uh, it's hard not to talk about Brooklyn, especially earlier this year with so much drama. Um, but sometimes you just want to talk good basketball. Not that those teams aren't playing good basketball, but what Will Hardy's doing out there, it's, it's pretty impressive. Well, it's pretty compelling I'm sure as you gravitated earlier this year, and, and I watch a show, you know, as often as I can through the ESPN Plus app, you guys are on demand and I'm watching. And in the early part of the season, everybody's so shocked. How are the Jazz starting out 10 and three? How are the Jazz getting this done? Ramona does a story on Lowry when he goes to LA and she's bringing him up on the show. And you're thinking, how are the Jazz making it into these shows when usually it is all Lakers. It, it, it is all those things that bring in eyeballs. There's a reason why the Cowboys lead first take, because people care about the Cowboys, you know, those types exactly. of, of big name items. But when you find those opportunities to get in the jazz, I was so shocked as a viewer to see it because, yeah, it's a nice little story, but where is that meat? Oh, the meat is new organization. The entire turnover of, one era to another, I was flabbergasted how much national attention that this team got. And it's because of people like you and your shows that are setting the agenda. Anytime. I appreciate that. We try to, and it's a lot more fun to talk about this than, you know, tension between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And when are they going to break it up? I'd rather talk about, you know, Will Hardy starting a new, like, I love Quinn Snyder, but like something fun like this and energizing a fan base, I'd rather take the, the good over the bad any day. Where were you with that latest era that closed the chapter? Where were you heading into this year in expectations for this team and what they had? Going into this year, I think it was kind of like those core four years back with, you know, Alec Burks and, and Kenner and Favors and Hayward, um, where it was, you know, just roll it out and see what happens. Um, I love the Team 49 mantra that Hardy's got going, but it's hard not to think about teams 52, 54 when they have, what, three picks every other year for the next, like, eight years or something? It's hard not to look, look ahead, but um, I was excited to watch and see who developed. Walker Kessler's been way better than I thought. Um, seeing Mike Conley take on that veteran role, bring Colin Sexton under his wing, like, watching stuff like that, um, I didn't think the team would win 40 games, um, and it seems like they might. I was thinking it would probably be low 30s, high 20s. Um, you see Victor, and it, it, it's pretty appetizing to try to get that number lower, but uh, I haven't watched the Jazz win yet this year. I was like, ooh, wish I took an L there. I came into this a little uh, wary of your Jazz bona fides, but you just referenced Core 4, and you oh, are in, my man. You are yeah, absolutely about – it gave a little bit of color, <laughs> but the fact that you're still following them through Core 4, 
Whoa. Yeah. Fun to watch Alec Burks. He can still give you, give you, you know, 12 and three minutes. And yes. it's fun to watch that, those little explosions. Um, I was in, you know, I've, I try to enter every year with some optimism, find someone I want to like really lean in on going into the season. Alec Burks has been that guy. Um, still remember the the play where, you know, kind of all turned for him with Paul Pierce. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a fun team. Who's your guy on this team then? I, I, I mean, I really like Jordan Clarkson, the way he's okay. changed his game from what it was, you know, when he got here to what it is now being more of a playmaker, looking for others and still, you know, anytime he wants to get to the paint and try to get off the floater, he can. Um, so it's always fun for me to watch him. Um, I've also wasn't the biggest fan of some of his play a couple of years ago. And now like the, the leaps and bounds he's made as a complete player, I'm not saying he's a complete player right now, but it's been really impressive to watch. Um, so that's probably my one Walker Kessler, you know, and Markin and they're hopefully going to be here two starters on the next time this team's in the playoffs. So hard not just to lock in on them as well. Jordan Clarkson. I think we all bottled him in into a box as just the gunner, but definitely this year he's shown way more than being somebody who could score off the bench. The passing has been unreal from him. He had one pass uh, way earlier this year where he's using the fact that everybody thinks he's going to shoot, uses a pump fake, and then dishes up for Walker Kessler for an alley-oop slam dunk. Jordan Clarkson has been great on the court, and then obviously he's the coolest player on this team off the court. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure when you – Anytime that you guys do any fashion segments on the show, he is he's leading the lifestyle section of, of Jordan Clarkson. Oh, for sure. I'm still looking online for one of those LTTF hats or whatever him and Quinn Snyder had. I won't say the acronym for what it stood for here, but uh, I want one of those. Now, let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. Would you would you rather see him if he did a Saturday event in the dunk contest if he's trying to dunk on people or just shooting threes in the three point contest? I want him to to do the dunk contest. He he's done a couple of crazy dunks in practice. The between the legs, the stuff that you see from real people who you expect the six eight six 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 guys. He's been doing mm -hmm. that as a seven footer, and it's a real dumb guy thing to do. But every time I'm around these guys, I say, oh, that guy's pretty tall. You know, and, and he's seven foot. Of course he's going to be tall. I mean, it's really stupid of me to, to think that. But to see him do what he does is, I don't know. I, I don't, I can't comprehend it. And seeing him in the dunk contest is where I want to see him. That'd be cool. Malik Beasley in the three-point contest. That's what you right, Let's do. stack it up. Then who do we got in the skills challenge? Who are we throwing out there? That's got to be, I mean, Mike obviously is is the one that you look towards. I think he's done it before, right? Yeah, he's done it before, but do you want him to get a little bit of rest? Maybe maybe you throw 
Jordan Clarkson, if you want to get him a, a, a touch on Saturday and then he can go to Aruba or wherever he wants for the rest of That'd his vacation. Yeah, give there him this, have him work this Saturday and then you can go. You, you don't have to watch the game on Sunday. And then he gets his all-star fit, right? We get to see what he's wearing down the tunnel as he uh, joins these festivities. Exactly, because the world needs to see Jordan Clarkson in the fits <laughs> that he wears. Gonzaga, where you go to college. NBA Today, where you're working now. What was the path that led you towards this crazy sports media life? Uh, about a year or two. I, I majored in uh, journalism and broadcast journalism. And after a failed startup that I was on um, and a little bit of bartending, I got a job offer to go out to Bristol uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, so I started as a PA um, working for ESPN. Uh, started just cutting highlights for games for the nighttime sports centers. Uh, worked my way up to overseeing um highlights and helping you know the new pas uh develop train tell stories of the games uh, after doing that for a few years started producing sports center and then had an opportunity to come out here and do nba today so basketball is my favorite sport uh southern california is home so uh, impossible to say no to the opportunity how is that b-dubs in bristol surrounding there's, there's not a lot of good options in bristol but la cuisine a little better yeah, I was gonna say I know a couple of friends who are who did the Bristol life coming out of Syracuse, and uh, they definitely uh, prefer when they move on to other places. It's a, it's a great program there, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. I, I learned so much in Bristol, and you know the people are great. But yeah, it's the city itself hit and miss. You got to find your your good spots. If you're going to B Dubs, you're doing it wrong. A little place called J Tim's. They cook their they fry their wings twice. Call it dirt style. That's where it's at. <laughs> So it's a dream to go out to Los Angeles, I'm sure, after a couple of years in Bristol. How'd you get involved with the basketball side of things in NBA Today? Um, I was the basically the head um, basketball person for the sports center side of things. Every major highlight from 2014 on, I probably had my hand in, um, along with the jazz highlights. I made sure whether or not they were making the show, I'd be the one uh, making that call and identifying some place. Um, so just coming up through there and letting everybody know my passion and, uh, you know, honing my skills it just got me to NBA today. Um, but lots and lots of late nights and weekends, you know, waiting for a Kings Pacers game to end, make sure we get the right highlight on there. Well, and ex explain to people what it means to make the cut, because you have a say in it, the time of the game that probably happened before sports center has a say in it. What does it mean to make the cut when it comes to you already have a highlight built for Jazz Kings or whatever just happened, but now it's coming down to crunch time. Are we going to make it into the show? What does that mean? Um, you got to think there's only about 44 minutes of content when you factor in commercials, and there's a lot of sports to cover, a lot of storylines and news to get out. Um, so on a given night, there might only be five to six minutes allocated for true basketball highlights. And, you know, at the beginning of the night when – a producer, uh, I've been in this chair or in the PA's chairs, putting a rundown together. Uh, let's say Jazz Nuggets. Uh, seems like a good game. I'll put it in for one minute and 15 seconds. And then Bucks Knicks goes into triple overtime. Okay, that needs two minutes. So we need to maybe we'll peel a little back from Jazz Nuggets. And then when, you know, Mike Trout hits his second homer of the night and the producer's trying to figure out how to fit that in, you start looking at that Jazz Nuggets highlight that you got cut down to 42 seconds and say, well, well really, this is a, you know, Two Jokic assists to the corner for three and one 
pretty good Donovan Mitchell dunk. Ah, that Donovan Mitchell dunks in top plays. We could go ahead and not make that highlight in the show today. So it's a lot of, you know, weighing things and storylines and, you know, video is king. Where Where is the best video? Um, but that's kind of a thought process of how it all comes together. Uh, I know a lot of jazz fans. I, I was one coming up where I'd be watching sports center and on the left side of the screen, they have the rundown. It says jazz Spurs. I like coming up and then it would just go away. And I didn't really understand. I was like, ah, it's because I hate the jazz. There's a lot more that goes into it than that. Um, but I understand it could be frustrating. Uh, if you, you flip on sports and trying to watch your, your favorite team, just know people are trying to get the best stuff on air. And if the jazz put that product on court, it'll make TV. And sometimes these anchors don't even see the highlight before. They just see a shot sheet of the plays that you cut for them and they're reacting to it in the moment, correct? They're, even sometimes there's a producer in their ear telling them what two plays are coming up next because, you know, they cut off that highlight with two minutes to go, but there was a crazy sequence that we tacked on on the back end. So, by the way, this is happening and this is happening. So, yeah, if the, if the game's over, you know, a half hour or less before showtime, it might be tough for the anchor to see this, to see uh, the highlight beforehand, and that's the trust they put in the staff to know, you know, if they'll make them look good on TV with a highlight that's accurate and has all the right stuff in there. So NBA Today, way less stress, more pre-production. Where is it on on your giving you gray hair scale? Yeah, there's nothing like Sports Center. It's the, you're the first one to tell the story. You're in the moment, right? And it's immediate re reaction. Uh, NBA Today is more. This is what happened the night before. How can we further the story? Uh, we have a great, great cast of talent that all bring something diverse to the table. And finding like, hey, Shanae uh, Agumake is great with breakdowns. Maybe we'll have her break down this two-play sequence from a game. But it gives us a lot more time to plot it out and know exactly how we want to attack a story and fit it into the puzzle piece of the show. Um, but even at 3 Eastern, there's still breaking news that could come across and th throw a wrench at everything. So uh, no, no show at 7 a.m. when I walk into my uh, pre-show meeting at 12 Pacific airs that same way. There's always something that'll change. What are those pre-show meetings like? What's the banter that's going back and forth? Uh, they're a lot of fun. I'll kind of run down my takeaways from the night, um, bounce ideas off Malika. We have a great staff with APs, PAs, other segment, or some segment producers and other producers. And we'll kind of kick around best ways to attack the major stories. Um, it's I can't watch all 12 games, so making sure, hey, was there anything? Yeah, I mean, I'm watching Bulls Celtics right now, but was there anything Bulls Celtics that I missed that needs to make the show or any any crazy video? Uh, we'll kind of kick those around. An hour later, we have our talent call we'll, where I'll kind of run through topic ideas and tee up questions and different executions with our talent. And the rundown could change a lot there because Richard Jefferson has a smart take on, you know, Kawhi Leonard sitting out again. And he wants something, he, he's or something he wants to get off his chest. Or Kendrick Perkins is going to be really funny on a cer certain word that he wants to use as his word of the day. So it's a total team effort, um, and it's a lot of fun, I'll tell you that. How much pitching is coming from talent side and producer side? What's the division of it? 50-50? Where is it? Uh, I mean, we the producers drive a lot of the, the conversations. Uh, I'm on a group text with a couple of producers and Malika, and she's constantly pitching things that she sees that she wants to talk about, guests that she thinks we should have on. So it's 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 close to 50-50, maybe a little more on the producer side just because a lot of the talent stretch so thin with other responsibilities they have. I don't know how Malika does it with sidelines. She does a lot of NBA countdown, our show. Um, so she can't be as locked in as myself or 
Greg Fonseca, another producer we have on the show. Um, but there is buy-in. It's not like any of the talents walking in not knowing what happened the night before. They have things they want to say. Well, there has to be buy-in because you guys did the meme of Brian Windhorse earlier in the summer of what is going on, and he's playing along with it perfectly. Yeah, I mean, that turned into a segment we probably ran for two weeks as we were trying to figure out how that, those trades were going to shake out. Um, but no one could tell a story like Brian Windhorse, and that's those talent meetings where he just gets going. It's awesome because you're getting a live podcast as he's just riffing. And uh, a lot of executions kind of come from just listening to him go. Same with Zach Lowe. Um, they're just great. Like, they're just great to listen to. Well, it's a good show because you guys interact with the audience. You have people who are willing to laugh at themselves. I think Kendrick Perkins is so good at that with the Moses Moody, Moses Moody, the fact that he can't pronounce Moses Moody's name on the draft. You guys run with it right after. Those type of things make a good show. And I'm, I'm glad that they're pitching things to you and, and you guys are pitching things to them as well. Yeah, we try to remember that the the E and ESPN is entertainment, right? So make sure it's a fun night. We, we're a new show first, but we want to make it fun to watch. And it is fun to watch, as we've already discussed how much that you try to, to shoehorn a little jazz in there. Is it going to get easier heading into this stretch, heading into All-Star Game, heading into the rest of the year? Do you think that the jazz will stay relevant enough for you to keep pitching and keep getting the jazz on NBA today. The good thing about this year is with those guys at the top of the draft, no matter where a team is, they're going to be relevant, right? Because they'll be fighting for a plan or they'll be fighting for more lotto balls. Um, So I I think the jazz will be featured kind of through this home stretch. Um, I know they'll be featured heavily in the next two days because a certain player is coming back. Um, So there'll be a lot of talking about him tomorrow, a lot of recapping of that game on Wednesday. Um, I think we got a couple special moments left with that team this year that'll that'll uh, help drive content. Well, let's hit on it just since you brought it up. Donovan Mitchell, he's going to be returning to Vivid Arena tomorrow. How do you remember Donovan in a jazz uniform? It's a great five years. I mean, that team, after Hayward left, it seems like who knew where, what direction they would go because there were so many different directions. And starting from that summer league, um, he just kind of, captured the fan base and took that team and I mean first round playoff win right um, I awesome performance after awesome performance you know remembering his I think it was his rookie year the putback dunk against the Lakers or the putback dunk he had, had against the Rockets in the playoffs just the the joy he played with and the highlights he provided and it, he seemed really genuine like the, the his approach is like was awesome to watch with um Towards the end there, maybe last year, um, he was still bringing it offensively night to night. You could tell maybe his defense or his desires. He was awesome, but defense slipped a little bit on the back end. But I couldn't be happier to watch him do what he's doing in Cleveland. Um, Watching him score 71 last week, once he hit 45, I wanted to see how high that number could go. Helped that marketing scored 49 later that week, right? Made it a little more easy to stomach. But uh, I, one of my all-time favorite players, I know he said in an interview with with Mark Spears, he didn't think his number would end up being retired. Um, I don't know. I think time hell heals wounds, and like he really helped this franchise get to where it is right now. Jeff Hornacek's number is retired, folks. We can retire uh, Donovan Mitchell's number if, if he's coming back. 
Are you rooting for Rudy as well? Uh, him on the Wolves. I'm rooting for both of them. They get traded away. Boyan. I'm rooting for Boyan every time that he plays out there on the floor. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a huge Rudy believer. I know there's a lot of skeptics. Um, so I was interested to see what he would look like in a new role without Quinn Snyder kind of drawing stuff up for him and finding ways to utilize him. Uh, it's been a little tough off the gate, but I have confidence with his work ethic. He'll figure it out. Uh, hopefully, you know, maybe they lose a little couple more games than they should. And we get a couple more ping pong balls or the Jazz do. But uh, individually, like, Rudy's attitude was just as good as Donovan's. Um, so nothing but... I'm rooting for the Bucks this year, though. I think they could win it. I'd love to see yep. Joe Ingles get a ring. Oh, my goodness. Now that I have a little removal, yes, I can root for you a lot more now that I don't have to deal with you every single day. Absolutely. He is a producer for NBA Today. He is Greg Condis on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Greg, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, JP.